You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. We are um, starting the book of Mark in a couple weeks. The book of Mark is my favorite book of the Bible. Yeah, I think it's written, because uh, it's my favorite because it's written very fast. It's written for someone with a short attention span. It's perfect for me. And so we're starting a book of Mark on the 24th when hopefully we're back together uh, in person. And so we're starting that. And so we had these several weeks that we were just, we were gonna fill with sermons, with messages that maybe didn't coincide together, but were just meaningful, were special to us. And so uh, this this week, I was so excited because uh, I, this is a message that I've thought about for years. When I first discovered the story of Hezekiah, he's one of the kings uh, of, of Israel. He's a descendant of David, an ancestor to Jesus. Uh, he's a king that had some flaws. He's a king that was following God. Uh, I love the stories of Hezekiah. And so it mixes amazingly with the Psalm 46. And so I want to share that. And so if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open it to Psalm 46. It's where we're going to camp out most of the day. We're also going to be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And so we'll be flipping back and forth between those two. But, but mostly flip to Psalms chapter 46 or we'll have it up on the screen. But I'm excited. Like this is, I, I'm, I told the, the worship team, like I don't know if it's going to come across this excitement in, in the message, but it is awesome when you see how this goes together in God's word. And so if you'll begin with me, Psalm 46, we're just going to read through that whole Psalm and then we'll dive into it in segments. For the director of music, the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at, day, at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. So the Psalms have been written by, by many people. Many of them were written by David. We, we looked at that this past year uh, at some of what David's life was, but other of the Psalms were written by other people. Some we don't know who they were written by. Some we do. We know several were written by Hezekiah and many people believe that this Psalm was written by King Hezekiah. In the Psalm 46, 47, 48, these are Psalms of Hezekiah's. And these are Psalms that he talks about where God was in an experience in his life. And we're going to get into that to be able to break this down and see this amazing story 
to see where he's coming from as he writes this great psalm. This psalm was the foundation for Martin Luther's king song uh, hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. If you've been around church a long time, you might know that hymn. And, and that was the foundation for, this psalm was the foundation for that song. And so let's look at this mighty fortress. Verse 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Salah. This word salah is kind of a strange word. It's, there's no real translation in English. That's why they still have this Hebrew word there. They're not fully sure what this word meant. They feel uh, that it was more uh, of, a, uh, of a moment to direct the, the leader of the song. It was more like the word pause. It was saying, look at this beginning of this song and then pause. Reflect. Take that in. Stop for a moment. In the midst of our chaos, imagine if in our daily life we would experience salah. Just pause. To rest. And so this morning, when we get to that, the, the, the writer uses this three times. At the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 7, and the end of verse 11. This, this idea to grasp what I just said. Grasp these three verses of this song and then pause. And so, in a spirit to, to honor what the original writer had intended, we're going to take a moment and pause. When we get to each section, when we get to, to un, un, reveal what was taught here, then we'll pause and just sit in the Lord. And so, we have this idea of God being a strength in the ever-present trouble. For Hezekiah, it looked like a siege from the king of, uh, of Assyria. But for us, there's often ever-present trouble, right? We're all excited that we're moved on to a new year because 2020 was so hard. Doesn't mean just because magically the calendar changed that those troubles, those ever-present troubles have stopped. For some, it's, it's, there's trouble, there's chaos. The ever-present trouble might be the pandemic or a death you're dealing with. The ever-present trouble might be depression or addictions or a broken relationship. This ever-present trouble might be loneliness. This has been a hard year of ever-present trouble. And yet the writer says, God is our refuge and strength. I love how it goes on to say that the mountains might fall and the waters would roar. That is saying something so stable, so sturdy, so reliable as a mountain crumbles into the sea. It describes some of our lives, right? That there was that, that source that was so stable, that source that seemed that you knew at least that was there. That, that relationship or just the, the normalcy or your job or something that no matter what, I at least had that and that falls into the sea. That the stability is gone. We couldn't rely on the mountains to still be there. We couldn't rely on that friend or that person to still be there, for that job to still be there, for, for school to still be there, for whatever that would look like. But God is still there. That in the midst of, 
utter chaos in the midst of an ever-present trouble, God is our refuge and strength. Salah. Let us rest in that thought. I'm going to take you a few seconds of just silence at home. I know it might be crazy. You might be having kids running around. It might be peaceful and you're having breakfast. I don't know. But we're going to take a few seconds to rest in that truth. That first verse, God is our refuge and strength. Salah. This idea of a refuge is a place of protection. It's a place of security. It's a place that you can go to that you know you're going to be safe. And that is what God is in the midst of these troubles. And so Hezekiah goes on to describe this amazing story that, that we will find out here from 2 Chronicles 32. But here in, verse 46, in chapter 46 of Psalms, verse 4 through 7 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Hezekiah is one of the kings of Israel, a descendant of David. He's a king that followed God in many ways and, and made some mistakes. But he tried to follow the Lord. And so he, he is faced with the consequences or faced with the actions of other nations. And, and just like anyone at that time, they were all facing Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Sennacherib was extending his kingdom and he was going and conquering other nations. He was conquering other countries, other cities, and he would lay siege to these cities and he would go and lay siege and they would finally surrender and he would either wipe out the entirety of the city or he would tax them to great lengths to be able to bring in riches into his own country of Assyria. Sennacherib was a horrible, horrible man. And he was weighing lace to all these nations and all these cities. And word has gotten to Hezekiah, it's coming. We all know Sennacherib's going to get here eventually. And so Hezekiah is trying to figure out, well, how do we prepare? How do we prepare for a siege? Because what a siege would be is the, uh, the enemy would attack a city. And they wouldn't just bombard the wall like we often see because the walls were often impenetrable. They were thick, they were high, the, the, the city inside had the advantage that they were able to, to shoot arrows over the, the, the wall and so forth. And so it was impenetrable, but what they would do is just wait them out. The enemy king would surround the city and cut off the life forces, cut off the supplies of food, cut off the supplies of people. And so the city would eventually have to implode on itself because they would, they would eventually give up out of starvation, out of going mad. That the siege would sometimes be days or weeks, sometimes months. Oftentimes, the siege was even years that they would just wait out the city before they would finally give up. And so Hezekiah knows this is coming. The enemy's gonna encircle Jerusalem, the city of God. And so he can store up food he can protect the people. He built a greater wall. But the one thing he can't bring in the city is water. Sennacherib is going to cut off the source of water. Water is not going to be able to get in and the people are going to die of thirst. And so he gets this idea. 
this amazing idea. We see it in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 2 through 4. It says, when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had, co- has, had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the spring outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the streams that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. This is an amazing story, and they have found archaeological proof of, of this story. And so I was, I was thinking I could explain it, but I found a video that explains it so much better. And I want us to be able to see, to be able to see at home that this Bible is real, that there's archaeological proof behind it. That these stories aren't just stories, but these are real life things that happen. And so, if you'll watch with me about this tunnel of Hezekiah's. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was coming and that he was determined to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the springs which were outside the city. And they did help him. So there gathered a large group of people together and they stopped up all the springs in the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? We are now at the Gihon Spring. It contains an enormous amount of water. Prior to Hezekiah's rule, all this water flowed outside the city through irrigation channels to the fields of the people and to the king's gardens. When he prepared Jerusalem for the Assyrian siege, Hezekiah worried that the mighty army of Assyria would camp outside the city walls, gaining access to the city's water source. He decided to prevent their use of the water by blocking and sealing the springs outside the city, including the Gihon Spring. He diverted the spring's water into an underground tunnel, which had been quarried into the heart of the mountain. Two groups of masons worked towards each other from both sides and met in the middle of the tunnel. And the water flowed from the source to the pool. The tunnel ends at the pool of Siloam, which was inside the city behind protective walls. The account of this engineering wonder is mentioned explicitly in the Bible and is also documented in the Shiloach inscription, which was discovered six meters from the end of the tunnel. This is a copy of the inscription written in ancient Hebrew letters. It describes the dramatic moment when the two groups met inside the tunnel. The masons were swinging their axes one towards the other, and they heard the voice of one man calling his fellow. And on the day of the tunneling, the masons bore through, one man towards his fellow, axe upon axe, and the water flowed from the source to the pool for 1,200 cubits. Modern, um, modern, modern engineers are fascinated with this tunnel because just think like even today this would be hard, but imagine back then that they were able to start from two different ends and meet in the middle. There's only a 12 inch uh, decline from the, from the spring to this pool. And so the water doesn't flow too fast and it doesn't flow too slow that, these, that Hezekiah was able to engineer this is an amazing thing. Right, something that he should be proud of, something that he can see now that Sennacherib comes and encompasses our city. We, we will be fine for months, years even. 
They, they don't even know that we have our own source of water. So Nacrib's going to think that it's, we're, all he has to do is weigh us out for a couple of weeks, but we have water. We can stay here as long as we need now. Hezekiah took care of keeping the city and the people safe. And so when you look at that, now go back to Psalm 46. We already read this passage, but let's look at this again. Look now, this makes a lot more sense. Verse four, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, Jerusalem, and the holy place where the most high dwells. Hezekiah says, I built a river. We're under siege and I built a river inside our city. This, is, this should help keep us alive. This should help sustain us. But he knows that's not the source of refuge and strength. That the fortress is God. It's not in his own actions that is going to save the city. It's God. He goes on to say, even though, he's basically saying, even though I've built this river that goes in the city. We did this amazing modern archaeological wonder. Verse 5, but God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her break the day. This isn't the pool that's going to save them. It's God. Instead of turning to the things of man as the answer, he's turning to God as the answer. And so he turns to the people. We see in 2 Chronicles, back to 2 Chronicles, he turns to the people in verse 7, and he calls out to them. This is after he's built the river. This is after he's given them confidence. He went and rebuilt the wall. The wall is greater. There's a river in. Everything that you could rely on, this great king Hezekiah to rely on, the things of man to keep us safe. His answer is, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, because the king of Assyria... And the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the army of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us to fight our battles. And the people gain confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. God will be our refuge. God would be the rest Instead of turning to the river as the, as the refuge, as the source of strength, he says, no, turn to the Lord who will help and fight our battles. Instead of turning to what we often turn to as the source of our, uh, as the source of our peace right now, that in the midst of the pandemic, we might be turning uh, to, to the news, we, we turn to the hope of a vaccine, we turn possibly to addictions or, to, or we're turning to other things that are leading to brokenness. Things that this world is offering aren't going to be our refuge. Things this world is offering isn't our fortress. It's God. And so the story continues. Sennacherib has been laying siege of all these cities, even cities in Israel. And they've come and laid siege. He's split up his armies and he's put them around these cities. And city after city are falling as they're starving, as they're dying of thirst. And they give up and they, they either get killed or they give their bounty to the king. And so Assyria knows that there's a siege going on in Jerusalem. But for some reason, the people of Jerusalem are not giving in. For some reason, they haven't given up yet. They can't figure out where's the, how are they still living? They shouldn't be getting, they shouldn't have any water. And so the Sennacherib sends letters to, to his generals there surrounding the city and the generals then read these to the people of Israel, to the people of Jerusalem. And they're taunting the people of Jerusalem. They're taunting their God. 
Second Chronicles 32 continues with verse 17. The king also read letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him. Just as the gods of the peoples of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. So he's putting the Israel's God with all the other nations. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the walls, to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of other people of the world, the works of human hands. They cry out in, their own, in the people's own language. You guys might as well give up now. Nobody has been able to withstand Sennacherib. There's no other God that has been able to beat us. There's no other people group that has been able to withstand our army. There's no other city that has withstood our siege. Give up now. And they share this in Hebrew so the people can all hear it, and they're terrified. Inside, they want to give up. Inside, they're beginning to question, is Hezekiah going to keep us safe? And Hezekiah is pointing them back to God. It says, Hezekiah and Isaiah, the prophet, come, and, and come before the Lord, and they pray. And I love what happens next, Second Chronicles 32, 21. It says, And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. When Sennacherib chose to go against God, he chose poorly. When Sennacherib decided to taunt the Lord Yahweh, it turned out bad. Because this God is the strength and refuge. He is a mighty fortress. And so when you look at that, now go back into Psalms 46 and see what Hezekiah is saying as he reflects on this. He says, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, meaning God, and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. To pause in that. Because the guy is saying, let me tell you what happened. It wasn't my river. It was God. God just spoke. And our enemies were defeated. Pause in that. Pause in that in your life as you're facing struggles, as you're facing ever-present trouble. That God can squelch it all. That God is greater than anything. Salah. Hezekiah continues the psalm. And now that you know the story behind it, these next verses make much more sense. Verse 8, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease and the ends of the, uh, of the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spears. He burns the shields with fire. Imagine the report Hezekiah got from one of the watchtowers. The sun comes up and, and the guards look out. And what do they see? An entire army laid to waste. The people are dead and strung about. There's little campfires going along and, and in some of those campfires have spread and, and maybe even the, the shields and the bows are burning. God has laid waste to it. 
The psalm comes alive when you think. Imagine Hezekiah's joy. He hears that and he says, wait, what? Him and Isaiah have been praying all night long. And the word comes that they have been saved. And he says, tell me what? And he goes up in the tower to view and it's true. God has been their refuge and strength. He says, come and see what the Lord has done. You can just imagine him telling all his generals, come and see, open up the gates, go look and see. God has taken care of us. He is our strength. He is our refuge. And then the psalm says this. He closes with this. He says, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. God is saying, I am reigning over all of it. There is no nation that can withstand me. There's no enemy that is stronger than me. Sennacherib is nothing. Rest in the fact that I am the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Our strength in the midst of ever-present trouble. Be still and know that I am God. He is our refuge. A refuge is a secure place, a place of protection, a place that you go to when crisis comes, when, when a storm appears. When you hear the tornado warning, we've all learned to be able to go to that safe place in your home or in your business or at your school. In my home, we have a, a little pantry closet, but it's the only place inside our house that doesn't have a window. It's right in the middle. And so in case of a tornado, we've had it one time that we were worried a tornado came and we all gathered in that little pantry. And it, it's a tiny little closet and there's six of us in there, but at least we have pretzels and so it's okay. But we're, we're in this little thing and we're just waiting out the tornado to come. This is our refuge. And no matter where we are in that house, I know where to go because it doesn't change. Our safety, our safest spot is always right there. It never moves, it is ever present. And so in case of a, if there's a tornado, my first option isn't to go out to the patio, it's to go to the place that's safe. And so when we're facing our trouble, when we're facing anxiety and depression and, and all the things that are going on in our society and loneliness, where are we turning? So often the tornado's coming and we go out on the patio. We're anxious and worried about the pandemic and we go and read more news and read more social media. We're turning and getting fed in the storm and turning instead of turning to the safe place, instead of turning to the refuge into the fortress. The Lord is a mighty fortress and he will protect us. Instead of listening, be still and know that I am God. It wasn't the river that saved him. It wasn't the river that saved Hezekiah. It wasn't, and it wasn't the river that saved the people of Jerusalem. The things that man has done, it was helpful. Don't get me wrong. It's what helped them sustain to not have to give in. It was a good thing. But it isn't what saved them. 
And so often we're turning for our hope into the things of this world. We're turning in our hope to a vaccine. We're turning our hope in, 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 into other people. Our hope is in our spouse or in a child. Our hope is in this future relationship. Our hope is in this new job. Our hope is in all these things of the world. But our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. Our hope needs to be in him, that we would turn closer to God, that in the midst of the tornadoes, we go to that safe place, and it's always there. Safe place is the Lord. And so as we start a new year, where are we turning for our strength? Where are we turning for our refuge? Are we turning to the Bible? Are we turning to prayer? To Christian relationships, perhaps we all have access to Right Now Media. If you don't, go to our website Click on the Right Now Media tab and you can get access. It's like the Netflix of Christian Bible studies, of encouragement, of kids' programmings, of worship. Turn to that. Turn to your close friends that, are, that you're getting through this life with and say, let's start a Bible study together. Let's watch one of these videos together. Let's just pray together. Where are we turning to for our refuge? Let it be the Lord. He is our shelter, and that shelter doesn't change. Our hope isn't in what the world has to offer, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I pray that perhaps you're in the midst of an ever-present season of trouble. Let us not grow weary or lose heart because we have the Lord. We have Jesus Christ, our strength and our refuge. Let us turn to him and pause and be in him to be still know that he is God. Salah. So